word. See, when, I, when we all come together, the Bible says that we all got a word. We got a, all got a psalm. We all have a praise. Amen. We all got something. Something. If you don't bring your supply here, what's the point of coming? Right? Amen. If you ain't going to bring nothing with you, then what you, what you doing? You just going to church? Wow. Anybody can do that. All they got to do is get up on time. Look like half, about half the church didn't today, though, don't it? Out of town. Yeah, Miss Angel will be, always be covering for folks. Oh, they out of town. No, they're not. They let up in the bed. Watch your Facebook right now. Hey. Yeah, they're out of town. Okay, so um, I really don't know how I'm going to do this, so I'm just going to do it. Okay? Today represents what we call Palm Sunday. Okay? Y'all with me? Palm Sunday is the Sunday that begins the week, the last week that Jesus was upon the earth in his earthly form. Uh, you have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then on Friday is what we call Good Friday, and then we celebrate his resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, uh, that sometimes we call Easter, uh, Resurrection Sunday. So today, what I plan to do, is it just me or is it warm in here? Yeah, can we, can we bump the air, please? It is on. We do have air working. Praise God. I mean, I'm always asking for air. I don't know why you didn't turn it on. It was comfortable when nobody was in here. Yeah. Just a minute, y'all. I'm so sorry. Thank you for your patience. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. There we go. Y'all feel that? Does that help some? Whoo. My face red? My ears are probably burning hot. They feel hot. So anyhow, this is Palm Sunday. Does anybody know why we call it Palm Sunday? Rhetorical question. Lisa. We call it Palm Sunday because this is whenever Jesus, this was the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And uh, that's that's depicted in all four of the Gospels. It's depicted in all four of them. And each one of them has a little bit of a variance, but most of them, they kind of coincide with each other pretty much throughout. So today, what I want to do is I want to spend time in Matthew, and I'm going to take us through Matthew like really quick, and then I'm going to kind of like bring out some stuff, and then we may get out of here early today. I don't know. Yeah? What? You think so? Anyhow, let's go to Matthew 21, verses 1 through 9. Can you do that for me, Miss Melissa? Sweet Melissa. You got me there? All right. First of all, before we get in this, you need to know a couple of things. Jesus has just been at Mary and Martha's house. Do y'all remember Mary and Martha? They had a brother. You remember his name? Lazarus. What happened to Lazarus? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Yeah, he came out. That's right. I thought you said nothing. I don't know. That's why I was asking you. He came out. That's right. Lazarus came out. So this is shortly after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now let me ask y'all a question. Anybody in the room, anybody in the room, if if you were living in Minden, Louisiana, and you hear that, let's just say Angel, goes to Minden Medical Center and lays hands on somebody and tells them, or no, better yet, goes to Garden of Memories and says, hey, so-and-so, get up. And they crawl up out the grave, and they're walking around the next day. That's kind of a big deal, right? 
So would you, being in Minden, Louisiana, would you have heard of what, what happened? Okay. Now, in hearing upon what, what happened, would you or would you not have gone to look at Angel or listen to Angel whenever she had anything to say? You probably would. I mean, like, she walked out to Garden of Memories and called out Grandpapa from 1842, you know? I mean, I mean, this is, you know, I know it's exaggeration, but, you know, I'm just trying to get everybody relaxed. Everybody's a little tense, you know, so we're trying to get everybody a little relaxed. So, so this just happened. Jesus just raised Lazarus from the, from the grave, okay? He's back at Mary and Martha's house, and then he is going to head to Jerusalem at this point, okay? So look at here. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem, now, now the they... It's not just Jesus and the disciples at this point. Why? Because he raised Lazarus from the dead. So, like, there's a bunch of people toting around all their kids, got their stuff, following Jesus around. Let's hear what the man's got to say because he just raised somebody from the dead. He's a big deal. Let's listen to him, okay? So they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, and when Jesus sent two, and then, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you say the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Now, um, just real quick, just so you know, Jesus didn't steal these things, right? The disciples actually asked for some permission to take it. You know, hey, can I take this? Yeah, who needs it? The Lord needs it. Oh, Jesus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. That guy, yeah, <laughs> whatever. You with me? They didn't steal the donkey. Some people, I looked it up on the internet. Some people think they stole the donkey. They didn't steal the donkey. It's like, what? How do you get that? Out of this. I don't know. So, anyway, and it was done that it might be fulfilled, which spoke about the prophet saying, verse 5, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him, talking about Jesus, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from, it says trees here. Every other version says palm trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before those who were following cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So picture this. Jesus is entering in and they, they, he comes in on a colt. Of, of a, which is a baby of a donkey. Now, why would that be? Anybody want to take a gander at it? All right, see, the king is coming. When Jesus does this, he is fulfilling, Zechariah said, Zion, your king will come in. Your king will enter in. And he is doing a triumphal entrance into Jerusalem to announce, I'm the dude. He just raised somebody from the dead. He just, he's, he's been teaching and healing and doing all that. And he fulfills the prophecy by jumping on the colt. The, the colt, the baby of the donkey, fulfills the prophecy by, and, and walks in or rides in to Jerusalem. You all with me? And so the reason why he was on a donkey or the colt of a donkey is that in those times... See, like nowadays, like somebody that's really cool and in charge, what kind of car are they driving today? What? They, what? A Tesla. They driving a Tesla. Man, somebody successful, doing good, on top of the world, what they got? A Tesla. 
you know, you get you a bunch of money, you get some swole up money, what's going to happen? What you going to go buy? A Tesla. You're going to do it. I don't care what you say. Maybe a Ferrari for those of us that are, that are the traditionalists. Harley, you know. But whatever it is, it's going to be big and shiny. Right? It's going to be expensive. It's going to cost a whole lot. It's going to be an expensive rig. And so the same thing happened back then. What's up, man? So the same thing happened back then. Back then, whenever you were a person of importance, you were carried higher than everybody else. And the way you did that was either you was toted up on a little thing. Y'all ever seen them put people on a little thing and they tote tote them like this and they sit up on the chair? You was either done that, come in up on an elephant. That's real tall, high. See, the higher you are, the more important you are, right? So tall, big old elephant. Some kings would come in on what was called a war horse, which is a horse that's like, 15, 16 hands. I mean, big horse. Big old horse. I don't know how, how tall a horse is supposed to be. Big horse. Big tall horse. They come riding in on that horse. Some would come in on like a, like a little smaller horse, but still a horse. But Jesus elected not only to come in on a donkey, which is short, but to come in on the colt of the donkey. So whenever it says that he's entering in lowly, he's not literally entering in in a state of, oh. Because if you ever watch, uh, anybody ever watch Jesus of Nazareth? The little mini-series. He just looks so pitiful coming in. Uh, uh, like he was hurting. No, Jesus wasn't coming in like he was hurting and trying to be all, well, I'm Jesus, here I am. No, that's not what he was doing. He wasn't coming in that way. He was coming in lowly to represent that he was not a conquering king, but a king that brings peace. The donkey is representative representative of Peace. He's the prince of peace. And he was not coming in to start a war. He wasn't coming in to, with a sword and on the back of a big old war horse with all the armies of heaven with him. He's not doing that. That's later on. Right? And so he's coming in and walking in this thing on a donkey to represent his peaceful act that he's coming through. You all with me? So as he's coming in, anytime there's a triumphal uh, entrance back then, they would take their clothes and they would take the leaves of palm trees, because if you go back, and you'd, you'd really have to, let me read this to you, I'll read this to you, I wrote this down, so I'll read something that I wrote down, which I hardly ever do. In ancient times, palm branches symbolized goodness, well-being, grandeur, steadfastness, and victory. They were often depicted on coins in important buildings. King Solomon had palm branches carved into the walls and the doors of his temple, because they represented, hey, This is the winner. This is the dude that wins. Palm branches were regarded as tokens of joy and triumph were customary used in festive occasions. So, hey, we're going to have a party. Big shot showing up. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to get some palm palm leaves out here. We're going to spread them out. And that's what they did. They laid them out in Jesus to make a triumphal entrance. And on that day was Sunday, and we call that day Palm Sunday because they laid the palm tree leaves down. Done. History lesson is over. Okay? And we all know Good Friday. What happened on Good Friday? Anybody? He was crucified, right? And then on Sunday, he rose again. But you do know he did some stuff Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, Wednesday. I'm doing them out of order. Get your attention. Saturday, he did some stuff. So we're going to go through that that fast. On Monday, the next day, is whenever Jesus went in and flipped over the tables and said, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Y'all remember that? 
where he makes a little he makes a little uh, a little whip or something, and he drives them out, and you know the money changers are gone. My father's house supposed to be a house of prayer. This is all in Matthew. That would be found in Matthew twenty one twelve through seventeen if you were interested and if you're taking notes. Uh, the previous one was all the way up to uh, verse uh, six, uh, verse eleven, and that's whenever he cleansed the temple. Temple. Then on Tuesday is whenever Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Does anybody remember what he did there? He taught all day and most of the night about the kingdom of God. See, the 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 people whenever he started to, whenever he came into the temple, the people cried out Hosanna, son of David. The word Hosanna simply means save now. Nah on the Hosanna means now. Hosea or Hosan means save. Salvation now. Save now. Son of David. They're calling upon the covenant that they knew was there and they were calling on all the prophecies that had been written and spoken over the years. They said, our king is here today. Here he comes in his triumphal entrance. Let's go ahead and take the palms. Let's lay them down. Here he come. Here he come. Dude, he's on a donkey. Well, he's, he's, he's the Lord of peace. He's peaceful. Oh, okay. Okay, so he's going to come in and be like peace and then, and then he's going to overthrow the Roman government and, and make everything better, right? Well, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right, well, all right, let's see what he does tomorrow. Monday, guess what he's doing? Mount of Olives teaching. After he turns over the, the thing, this Tuesday he's teaching. Monday he goes to turn over all the, all the tables and all that. And I'm like, shoot, dude, he's finna get wicked. He finna get real. He gonna get crunk up in here. Jesus finna bring it down, baby. You watch it. You look out, you Roman centurions. I don't know who you think you are kicking on me. Jesus up in here turning over tables and stuff. Get ready. Here he come. Here he come. Amen. Tuesday, out on the Mount of Olives, what he's doing? Teaching about the kingdom of God and how it works. Let's go to Wednesday. What was he doing on Wednesday? We call it Holy Wednesday. It's Holy Wednesday. I don't know why we call it that, but we do. You know what he did on Holy Wednesday? Anybody want to guess? He taught on the kingdom of God, continually telling parables. I mean, if you go through, let's say uh, Tuesday is found uh, in verses uh, Matthew 21, 23, all the way to 24, 51. And then Wednesday is found, tw- Matthew 25, verse 1, all the way to 26, 16. Y'all with me? All right. Wednesday. What do you do? He taught. Day five is what's called Passover, the Last Supper. Okay. Passover was the Jewish tradition. You would eat the Passover to remember what happened whenever they were brought out of, out of Egypt. Everybody knows the story. Put the thing on the little post. All right? So they would eat a supper because of that. What we just did is a remembrance of that day. That happened Thursday. On that same night, he was betrayed by Judas. Judas went and got the 30 pieces of silver or, or gave up the 30, got the 30, 30 pieces of silver that night. Correct? Forgiving him up. Correct? It's, it's cool how all this stuff works. I mean, I just love it. But I'm like a history guy, too. Some of y'all are looking at me like, we don't do history. I only do math. That's it. Anyway, Thursday, if you want to read up on Thursday, is Matthew twenty six seventeen all the way to verse 75, which is the end of the chapter, and it's an awful lot in there. And it, it just talks about how, you know, Jesus... 
was was betrayed, you know, and 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 all of that was coming up, and and Peter was uh Peter denied him, you know. They have the garden, and you know, cut off the ear, and all that stuff happens in there. That's Thursday. Y'all with me? Okay. Friday. Guess what happens on Friday? It's Good Friday. That's whenever they have the trial, the crucifixion, the death, the burial. All of that happens on Good Friday. I'm not going to go into all the detail of it. We probably will on Sunday. We'll probably talk about it on Sunday. But on Friday is when he was he was beaten, the crown of thorns, the uh, the the uh, the walk. What do they call it? The Via della Rosa. Did that? Carried the cross. Somebody carried it for him. Nails hammered into his hands, strung up, spear in the side, nasty stuff on his, on his mouth for him to drink. Forgive them, they know not what they do. It is finished. Boom. Pull him down, dress him up, find the tomb from the dude, toss him in the tomb. That was Friday. Okay? Saturday, you know what was going on Saturday? It's <laughs> Saturday. He's in the tomb, and everybody's crying and lamenting, and oh my gosh, it didn't work out like we thought it was going to work out. And then on Sunday is whenever she saw him, whenever the, the lady came to, to do the, the, the spices and the herbs, she saw him, and he's, he ain't here, he gone. Went and told the guys. The guys came, and they looked, and they're like, he gone. That's the way the week works. Something interesting, though, that I want to point out to y'all for today and now I'm going to get off the history stuff and I'm going to start preaching. If you remember whenever he came into the temple, what was the first thing they were crying out to him? Y'all remember what I said? Hosanna, son of David, save now. He taught Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday looked like he was finna do something. Tuesday and Wednesday, he just kind of taught a little bit. Thursday, they just had the Passover meal. He was betrayed. On Friday morning, the trial happened. Y'all remember what happened during the trial? Pontius Pilate comes out and washes his hands. He even says, what do you think we ought to do with this guy? Let me go to that. This is uh, Matthew 27, verses 22, 23, 24, 25. Did I give you that? Yeah, let's go, let's go there. And Pilate said to them, what shall I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? And they all said, what? Let him be crucified. And then the governor said, why, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. On Monday, they were crying out, save now. On Friday, they hollering, get rid of him. We don't want him no more. If we start taking a look at our own personal walk whenever we pay attention to the people that are watching Jesus and what, what Jesus did, you'll see yourself in here if you let yourself do it. Save now. We all want God to move right now in the way that we want him to move. All of us. I don't care who you are. You want everything today. You want to be saved right now. And quick to say, Hosanna. Oh, Lord mighty, oh God on high. Is it just me or is it? 
This is how I fight my battle. On Sunday. But come Friday, what we hollering? Forget about him. Crucify him. I'm done with him. And this, are y'all seeing this? That we expect God, we can receive a word from God. We go to church on Sundays and we receive a word from God. Right now, around the world, depending on the, the time frame that you're looking at, I know there's different time zones and all that kind of stuff. But right now on this day, Palm Sunday is happening in every church in the world. And people are coming in and, and the priests and the preachers and the teachers and all those guys are saying things from the pulpit just like I am to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the saints are receiving something and they're getting something and it makes them excited and it makes them feel good. It makes them feel good. And they say, hey, Hosanna, hallelujah, glory to God. Woo, church was good this morning, boy. Man, I tell you, it was great. What are you talking about? Palm Sunday. I ain't never heard that before, but they called, talked about it. Don't know what it means, but we, we did it. We talked about Palm Sunday. Really? Really? Yeah, man, it was good. It was good. Come Monday, we're still kind of feeling it a little bit. We kind of see Jesus throwing over a couple of tables in our lives. We get to walking like, hey, there he's moving over there. He's doing a little something over here. He's doing a little something right there. Oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Tuesday, we get a little quiet. Wednesday, ain't much happening. Thursday, we're thinking about, eh, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through this week. Come Friday, we cussing, fussing, stomping. Things ain't right. We fighting at the house. Is it just me or is it is this making sense? But why is that? We do that because we have in our brains... It's just like these folks here. They had a prophecy from Zechariah that was like four, six hundred years before this even happened. That Zechariah wrote it down that your, your, your king will enter in on a donkey. They got excited. Man, here, here he is. Our king is here. He's going to do it. And for years, for generations, it had been fed to them on what this day was going to look like. And they fully expected Jesus to overthrow the local government at the time. Because they didn't like living under Roman rule. Gas prices were high. Interest rates were going up. It just seems like there were wars everywhere. Had some idiot running the whole thing. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about back then. Okay? Don't be, don't be thinking I ain't trying to get political up in here. That ain't my way. Their personal lives were kind of jacked up a little bit. And all of a sudden, here he comes. Hosanna, big daddy. Save me right now, Jesus. Save me right now. And we do the exact same thing we receive. And then by the end of the week, we don't give up on what's going on. So, the question that I have is what is it that we are supposed to do between Palm Sunday and Friday? To keep Friday from happening. To keep it from going. Let's go to Job. Take me my Job scriptures. Everybody knows Job, don't they? I love talking about Job because there's so many fatted calves in there. There's little golden calves all over. You just kick them. I hear them braying right now. Y'all hear the calf? There's so much religion wrapped around Job, it ain't funny. 
I love going to Job. Anybody ever read the whole book? Miss Dorothy, I know she has. Yeah, the whole book is a nine-month time frame. Do you know that? Nine months. I mean, Job, I mean, he didn't do this, but, you know, his wife could have had a baby, you know. Well, I guess she did because he did get some more children back at the end. Job, let's see, this is, uh, you didn't tell me where I was going to, Melissa. Let's see, this is Job, verse 19, 23 through 26. Now, at this point, Job had sores on him. They were leaking pus. It's pretty nasty. He had lost his children, all of his possessions, his home, everything. Job had lost everything. And uh, let's see here. I'm not going to get y'all to go to it, but I just want to point out something real quick. Everything in his life had been uh, had been taken away from him. If you take a look at Job chapter 1, and I don't want y'all to go there, but if you look at Job chapter 1 verse 21, you will recognize the scripture that I'm about to, to, to tell you. This is Job. And Job is talking about his situation because he just found out that his kids died. He just found out that his house is gone and all of his possessions and everything was just blah. All right, so Job chapter 2, verse 21, and he said, talking about Job, it's a little H, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody's done heard that one before, right? We could quote that one pretty quick. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. We all real good at that one, but we don't pay attention to the next one. The next scripture is really cool. This is Job chapter 1, verse 22, that nobody quotes really. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. He remembered who God was. There we go, right here. So this is the point where Job sits up and goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is Job 19, verse 23. He said, oh, that my words were written. Oh, that there was inscribed in a, or, oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Now, Job is sitting there going, oh, my gosh. I just got a revelation. Of, God spoke lightning, hit me in my head right now. Just like a lightning bolt. You know, if you know what movie that's from, I'll give you $50. Nope. Wow, y'all don't know that one? Lightning just struck my brain. Y'all don't know that movie? Yeah, it's Hook. The movie Hook. Yeah, mm-hmm, see? All right, anyway. Uh, 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 the Shmee, yeah, Shmee. What about Shmee? So, anyway, verse 23. Oh, that my words were written. Go back. My words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. He's like, oh, my gosh. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, oh, Wow, somebody need to write this down. Luckily, Job did, and he put it in some, he, put, he kept some memoirs or something like that. Some dude found it. You know, it's probably the oldest book in the Bible. And he kind of wrote some notes of his life and what happened during this time, and somebody took it and scribed it and wrote it down. Thank God they did. Because it was actually inspired by the Holy Ghost to do it. Way back, first book of the Bible to be ever written. I mean, Job was hanging out with, with Abraham. That's the time period that we're in. Abraham's still alive whenever this happens. Anyhow, Job said, oh, they're written, oh, they're scribed in the book. Next verse. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. They used to, you know, and then fill it with lead so it would stay. And what did he say after that? 
For I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand at last on the earth. Job went back to what he knew. We have to always go back to what we know. We cannot give up what we know because of what we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how God's going to do it. We don't know exactly what the circumstances are going to be as we go through this thing. But we do know that our Redeemer lives. I sang the song this morning. I know my Redeemer lives. Y'all remember that one? I know my Redeemer lives. Yeah. Why is that song there? Why is this scripture there? Because if there's a point in your life when everything seems to be going to poo, everything's going to poo, there's still th- something that remains. My Redeemer lives. And He will stand upon this earth. Next. Didn't I put 26 in there? And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. He didn't know how he was going to come out. He didn't know what he was going to do. But what he did know was that his Redeemer lived. Your Redeemer still lives today. Our Redeemer still lives today. Jesus is seated upon the right hand of God on his throne today right now. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what it feels like, what it looks like. None of that matters. What matters is where our trust and where our hopes are. Are we secure in the fact that God is going to bring us through what we're going through? Amen. Hmm. Guess I'm hitting y'all kind of weird. Romans chapter 8. My favorite is chapter in the whole entire Bible. Yeah. Romans 8. Anybody ever been there before? Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. I say it all the time. If you don't know, if you don't have a good devotional, read Romans chapter 8 every morning when you get up. You'll be almost as happy as I am. If I can find it, that's a joke. Uh, uh. Look at this one. See, later on in here, Paul is writing this. Not our Paul, but the Apostle Paul is writing this. Not Paul Gray. Apostle Paul is writing this. And later on, he starts talking about peril and negatives and swords and things that come against us. And he calls us more than conquerors in there. And this is prior to that spot. But he begins, he's beginning to tell a story of what the Christian has to look at in a spot where things seem like they're just not really working out. Because the last thing he wants to see happen is everybody go, crucify him, Jesus. Like they did on Good Friday. You remember those people? Look at verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also did what? Glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? See, we have a pride. We have something we're supposed to do in the middle. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever Friday's starting to creep up on us, and we're really starting to think that God's not going to move the way that we think he's supposed to move. And it's really getting weird, and it's really getting tight, and it's really getting strange, and it almost looks like that the Bible's not true. There's something that we are supposed to do. We're supposed to do like Job and go back and remember that, yes, my Redeemer lives. and Jesus is on the throne right now. He is alive and full of power, and He is my Lord. He is my shepherd, and I do not want. We read that before we got started up in this thing, I remember. The other thing that Paul says that we're supposed to do, we are supposed to what to these things? What does it say? Say. We have a part to play in the midst of the storm. If you remember Jesus, Jesus was going to go. He said, let us go to the other side. And he gets in a boat and he goes to sleep and lays his head down on a pillow. Y'all remember this? And the disciples were all awake because they were up playing craps or something because they threw a lot of dice. You could tell it in in Acts chapter 1 or 2. Anyway, y'all didn't think that was funny? They threw dice to find out who the next disciple or the next apostle was going to be, Miss Dorothy. They did. They... (laughs) I mean, I just think, I just, I don't know. I, I think if you, if you really, all right, never mind. Y'all ain't with me. Y'all like, there's no way the disciples ever did that. I bet Peter did. I bet you Peter gambled a little bit. Bet you a bottom dollar he did. He cut a dude's ear off. Most people does that. I mean, I mean, how many folks you know going to cut somebody's ear off that don't gamble? I mean, you know anybody like that would really, truly cut somebody's ear off that wouldn't gamble a little bit anyway yeah i mean you always have to realize and remember that in the bible these are regular people just like you and i these are folks with problems and with issues and stuff that they have to deal with all the time i mean and you're not an apostle how do you think they were attacked by the devil anyway yeah so jesus he said we're gonna go to the other side I'm going to get over here and preach to Stephen. He's the only one paying attention real good. No, I'm playing. He said, let us go on over to the other side. The disciples are up playing Monopoly. (laughs) I love you, Miss Dorothy. I'm just playing. She is going to get me. If there's anybody in this building that can whoop me, it's Miss Dorothy. (laughs) She can whoop me all day. The disciples are up and a wind comes up. Y'all remember this? I think it's Mark chapter 4 is where this happens at or something like that. Maybe chapter 5. Anyhow, this wind comes up and, and the waves are tossing and Jesus still sleep on the back on the pillow. He still kind of ugh, had a long day. Tough. And the, the, the disciples run into the Lord, Lord, don't you care? Who's that sound like? Does that sound like any of y'all? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, don't you? I mean, you hear me, Lord? Don't you even care that I'm going through all this? Ah! Ain't none of y'all ever been there before. I know. I know. Y'all all perfect in every way. Y'all just like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. Lord, don't you care? Jesus gets up. Do you remember what he did? Jesus walks out on the boat. And he tells the storm, the wind, the waves, all of it to cease, be still. I think he said peace, be still. He told it all to stop. 
What shall we say to these things? We should do just as Jesus did. Because Jesus turned around right after he said, peace be still, and it all went calm. He looked at the disciples and said, why is it that you didn't have no faith? See, because he had already told them, we're going to go to the other side. I mean, it's either Jesus is going to tell you the truth or he ain't. The Bible's either true or it, or it aren't. The Bible is either true or it isn't. It's either true or it ain't. Is you is or is you ain't my baby. Jesus had already said we're going to the other side. He spoke it. God has already said that this Jesus was your shepherd and you're not going to want for anything. I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to anoint your head with oil and your cup is going to overflow in the midst of all the turmoil that your enemies are bringing to you. And you will dwell in my house forever. That's what he said. So when the storms of life start coming, whenever all the mess and all the junk and all the people and all the drama that we all deal with on a regular basis because of social media, all of that starts coming at us, we are to say something. And not to God. Jesus didn't walk out and say, hey, Lord. Hey, Lord. Hey, uh, God, will you do something about this? That's not what he did. Did he? He spoke to what? The problem. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Very, very, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and does it doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you shall have them. Mark 11, 23 and 24. What does that mean? That means that whenever there's a mountain, when there's a storm, when there's a... Y'all remember the sycamine tree we talked about? When there's anything in your life that is stopping you, even David, when he went at Goliath, he ran at Goliath, telling Goliath what he was going to do to him. He didn't ask God to do anything about Goliath. He went and took care of him. Jesus didn't ask God to do anything about the storm. He went and took care of it. And Jesus just said, in Mark 11, 23 and 24, he didn't say, go ask God to move the mountain. He said, you go tell it to move. We have something to say. And we have a line that we draw. And when we draw that line, the line is drawn. And we stand on it and stand on it and stand on it and stand on it and stand on it. Because we believe in Hosanna. We believe that he has saved us now. Even though I can't see it, it doesn't feel like it. I don't care. He has saved me right now. And I'm going to tell this stuff to get back. You're supposed to talk to the problem. Don't talk to the answer. Talk to the problem. The answer knows what to do. God's moving. Y'all remember Jesus? He was, he was speaking in somebody's boat. He was barred Peter's boat. Peter hadn't caught a fish all night. Jesus is sitting there talking. He's doing his thing. And then, and then he comes back and he says, Peter, won't you go out and let your net, nets out for a catch? He's like, Lord, we toiled all night. We did all that we could. There ain't no fish out there, man. I'm telling you. Go out there in the deep anyway. 
gets himself out there, drops his net, pulls in so much this boat starts sinking. He has to call in other boats to help him out. What was going on while Jesus was teaching? Those fish were all getting together in one little old spot. Waiting for Peter to show up. He didn't even see it until he put the net down. Professional fishermen. Tired. Been fishing all night. You're supposed to fish at night, not during the day. Been all night, Lord. We don't wash the nets. What you talking about? I'm going to go home and go to sleep. Try to do it tomorrow. God is always moving. He's always working. Remember that Jesus did not show up as a triumphal king coming in ready to start war with the Roman Empire. He fought a war that we don't understand. He got rid of sin. He came back and says, I have the keys to hell and the grave. He whooped up on everything that could ever come against you in that moment. He took care of all of it. Never should we act like whenever he's just trying to teach us something. And just trying to show us something like he did on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We should never act like he ain't moving. Just like he did whenever he was talking to Peter and them. We don't need to be acting like God ain't moving. We don't need to be acting like that he ain't going to do nothing. Amen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, please. I got this a week ago, and I don't know why. Sorry, Melissa. I didn't tell her about it, but I just don't like where, I'm, where what my next scripture is, so I'm going to go to there because I got it a week ago. That's kind of how this works. You just kind of bump around. Are you good? <laughs> this is finna get good. Let's continue to think in the vein of Monday, Hosanna, save me now. Friday, crucify him, I've had enough. Let's continue to think in the brain of what I'm supposed to do in the midst of my storm. What am I supposed to do when things don't seem to be working out like I think they should? Because God ain't never, I mean, why would he even tell you what all he's doing? You wouldn't understand it anyway. You wouldn't understand that he has to move on somebody on the other side of the world to make this chain reaction take place so that it can make itself to you. You just, you wouldn't get it. You'd be like, huh? See, I told you, don't worry about it. It's kind of like trying to explain to a three-year-old how an engine works. Heck, I'm 46 and I still don't understand how an engine works. I don't get it. I know you got to put gas in it, crank it. If it don't crank, I don't know. I can't tell you. So it's like trying to explain that process to a three-year-old. God's looking at you going, oh, I love you, you little thing. You're just so beautiful. You don't need to know all that. You wouldn't understand it if I told you. Like electricity. I don't understand electricity. I don't know how that stuff works. AC, DC, whatever. That's a band. I don't know what none of that means. Flip a switch. Light comes on. If it don't call somebody that knows... I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. We've got to get out of here. Y'all need to go. Look at this thing. Rejoice in the Lord when everything is going absolutely wonderful and great. Again, I say, as you go through your day and leave your church house on Sunday afternoon, continue to rejoice until stuff gets bad and then decide not to anymore. Rejoice in the Lord 
always. And again, I say rejoice. It used to be a song. Rejoice in the Lord always. And you sang it over and 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 over again. 20 minutes. You think you got to play for a long time. Y'all don't know nothing, man. We used to play for hours. Fingers be all drawn up. Arms don't work the next day. Horse. Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Number five, let your gentleness, and some translations say moderation, be known to all men the Lord is at hand. Verse six, be anxious or worry for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think or meditate on these things. Verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again Though surely, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that whatever state I'm in to be content, I know how to be abased and I know how to to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul is in a tough spot right here. In this one, he's telling a story about a tough spot he was in. Thank you, Lord. He had to correct me. He's not in a tough spot right now. He is telling the story about a tough spot that he was in. The Philippian church got him out of a hole. He was in a tough spot. He needed some money. Y'all remember he was making tents? Remember that in Acts? He started making tents again because he didn't have enough money. Didn't have no money. Had to go to work. Instead of spreading the gospel, he's working. Boom, here comes some offering from the church at Philippi. That's what he's talking about. I've learned to live, and thank you. He tells them, he's he's like, look, I'm glad y'all gave me all of this stuff. I'm glad that you sent it to me. He said, I've learned how to to both be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. And then verse 13. What's 413? Philippians 413, cheerleaders. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is at the end. This is at the end of rejoice in the Lord. To, oh, y'all gonna have to go back. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't with me. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord. Verse six, don't be anxious for anything, but ask through prayer and supplication. Make requests be made known to God. Verse seven, I'll send my peace. Verse eight, whatever things that are good and noble of good report of the beauty, praise the beauty, think on those things. Don't think on the problem. Think on the answer. The answer is God. The answer is the word. Think on those things. Look, I've been through ups and downs. I've been up and down. I had a lot. I had a little. I tell you what, I could do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Why is that? Because I remember that my Redeemer lives. I remember that Jesus is sitting on the throne. I remember that all I got to do is stand up on the edge of the boat and speak to the problem. I can run at my giant with my mouth wide open and tell my giant what I'm going to do to it. And now I can do all things through Christ. I can make it through anything and everything. And not go to crying on Friday, crucify him. I ain't got nothing else to do with him because he ain't moving. Amen. Boom, right at 11.30. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand. I got it all out. Woo. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. 
Let all creation testify. This life within me cries, I know my Redeemer lives. If you just stop, I'll tell you another good one. This is another good one that I sing by myself. (laughs) I don't sing with nobody else. Stuff gets hard. This is what Greg does. Sometimes I go to my word, so, you know, praise and thank God. But sometimes it's as simple as, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a good day.